everyone. Welcome back to the Small Talk Podcast. I'm Mike Smalligan. Today, we got an exciting topic lined up for you today, home renovations. And we have two real estate pros in the house with us today. We have Chase and Kurt. Um, so welcome to the show, guys. And uh, let's talk about fixing up houses. Uh, where does someone even start when they're thinking about doing home renovations? So like, what, what are some of the first steps that you guys would suggest? I would uh, start with setting an overall goal. So um, a lot of people are doing renovations for a variety of reasons. Are you wanting to renovate your house because you're wanting to sell it soon? Um, awesome. <laughs> or are you are you wanting to renovate your house um, solely based on aesthetics? You just don't really like your, you know, the current style of your home. Um, so I think that, you know, those types of renovations can go a variety of different ways. So I think, you know, kind of starting with the, the main goal of your renovation is important. And I think that's really key too, because yes, in our profession, people are asking us all the time, if they're thinking about selling soon, what should we do to the house? Sure. And, uh, renovations, I am a firm believer in making a house your own yeah. and, and taking this on, but, uh, renovations, especially significant ones are rarely going to get you all your money and value back. If you're planning to sell soon, you can always do things with presentation. You can always make necessary repairs, but, um, renovations really should be quite personal. And when you make something too personal, too specific or dramatic, uh, it, it should be for you, not for hopefully anticipating the desires of a buyer. It can almost be counterproductive sometimes. So do you think that when you are planning to sell your house, um, what would that process look like? Would you reach out to the real estate agent mm -hmm. to ask questions or a home stager? Like, um, because maybe my taste might not be that of a buyer's. Yeah. And I did want to, uh, walk through that just briefly on the way there is that when someone is looking at selling and they have a conversation like that, I think it's really important to be a conversation. It should be very particular to each home seller and each property. Um, but number one, I think there are three different types of projects when you're thinking about selling your home and getting the most out of it. One is presentation. And yes, we, we provide a home staging consultation. And I think getting things neat and clean, decluttered, even curb appeal with fresh mulch or new flowers, trimming branches that are near sidewalks and all of that. Curb is appeal, important. for sure. Curb appeal, yeah. basic stuff that really anyone can do. Um, repair and replacement will also be very home specific, but what is something that affects the condition or the usability of the home that really should be repaired before going on the market? Um, cabinet doors that are hanging loose, broken tile in the shower, uh, fixture that, you know, has always been problematic. Those kind of things should be addressed and it just gives a lot more confidence to the buyers and it's a lot more appealing. Um, renovations can be, but I still really think overall. Renovations should be for yourself, for what you want out of the house and making it your own home. Sure. Much more so than trying to entice a different buyer. That good advice. Yeah. So step one is coming up with a plan for the renovation. Step two is putting together a budget. So how do you like advise your clients to uh, plan and put together a budget for renovation projects? Talk to experts. Yeah, for sure. I would say, obviously, you need to look at your own finances. I wouldn't, um, you know, turn on HGTV and say, <laughs> oh, this person spent this much on the renovation. That's where I'm going to start. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like you said, talk to experts, um, talk to multiple different contractors so you can get a good range of 
what the renovation you're trying to achieve, you know, what it may cost. I would not just talk to one person and, and be set in that price. Yeah. So when you're talking to contractors, do you recommend getting um, recommendations from the people maybe that those contractors have worked with? Yep, for sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I would say, you know, when you're looking for a contractor, um, obviously you can go and Google, right? You know that and look at reviews and stuff online. Um, but I would say, you know, word of mouth as well. If you can go to Sally's house and look at Sally's new kitchen and you like Sally's new kitchen, maybe ask Sally who she used sure. for, you know, her, her renovation. Yeah. That'll give you a better idea too, because if you know the person who hired that contractor, you can gauge their response better. Um, I had someone uh, that I know was just very, very particular about how work was done and budget and schedule, like someone who's just very difficult to impress. And they recently had the siding done on their home. Yeah. And I was looking for a siding contractor. And I said, I'm sure that whoever did the siding on this person's house is going to do a very solid and satisfactory job for me. And they ended up being the most affordable of the three people who bid the job. And so I felt very good about hiring that contractor for that job. And you probably felt better after having those three conversations oh, exactly. than you would have if just with one, right? Yep. And and you know, too, like what can change? Because when you get an estimate, you get a bid, someone can tell a good story. Sure. And you don't know if they're, you know, when they worked for someone you know, was their bid accurate? Was their schedule accurate? Were they good communicators? All the stuff you don't know just from a review or even initial meeting. So yep. yeah, anytime you can talk to someone you know about a contractor they used, it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. So as realtors, we uh, work with several different clients and uh, have other people in our office and on our team that we can uh, gain experience from them as well, right? So mm -hmm. we can ask questions. Uh, who do you know that does decks or siding, right? And or uh, kitchen remodels, and ask for our, our clients or our teammates' clients uh, recommendations too, right? And I think that's huge because in our position, um, if we have already gotten a good referral to share. Yeah. And then we've seen them work for five or six of our clients. It's the same thing as having a neighbor who's got had good experience with the contractor, except we can do that, you know, sometimes 10 times a year. And we see sure. them in all different situations and we feel very good about our referrals and so. they have to, they have to maintain that for us to keep doing it. Yeah. So first coming up with a plan, then a budget, and then keeping on track. So how Chase, what <laughs> tips do you have for someone maybe keeping on track with a budget and a plan? Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, clear communication is key between you and your contractor. Um, and then I would also, when you're setting your budget, I would also set up some sort of like contingency fund for unexpected costs because those are bound to come up. Right. Um, and you don't want to choose between, um, you know, something boring in your house that just needs to be done versus, you know, getting your new kitchen countertop. So if you have that set aside from the get-go, um, you know, it becomes less abrasive when those things do come up. It definitely makes sense. Anticipate overages. Like just expect it. Yep. If, if everyone, like you're speaking from experience there, <laughs> it will happen. And the, the hard thing is, um, you know, we talk about the, the, different contractors. And the number one thing for me is someone I trust yeah. because they will do everything they possibly can and still get an unpleasant surprise. And unless they are going to lose money in their business, that unpleasant surprise is going to be a little unpleasant for you too. Um, 
But if it's someone you trust, then you believe that you don't think they're trying to shake you down or waste your money, Yeah. but it's still, it's just going to happen. You know, there are things that nobody can anticipate. And if you just expect those overages, you build in that 10% and it goes through clean, then you're pleasantly surprised and you're going to buy something nice when you're done. Yeah. But most likely there will be a few portions of the project that will go over budget and you just want to be ready for that. Yeah. I actually recently had a roof redone and uh, the contractor actually budgeted in uh, several sheets of wood and other materials that could uh, be needed mm -hmm. once they get into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of it, they were like, yeah, we didn't need these and they took it back off. Yep. So um, I thought that was pretty uh, forward thinking. And uh, I, I was glad they did that just to kind of alleviate some of the what ifs, you know, but in all those questions, I think that that's why it's good to talk to other people or us to help out with that as well, because right. you don't think about that specific of a question. If we end up completing the project and there are extra materials unused, who gets that return? Yeah. Where, where, does, where does that go? Right. Where does that go? Did they just make more money because they budgeted extra material or is that something that they're going to share with you? And sure. Those are questions we just don't even think of ahead of time. Yeah. So we have a budget, we have a plan, we have a contingency plan. So what are some of the updates that you guys see that are the biggest bang for your buck? So the things that make the most difference when doing remodels in terms of resale? Mm -hmm. Kitchen. Oh yeah? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that the, uh, you know, the style of a, of a home in terms of renovation, that is, you know, kind of like we already spoke on, um, that just differs, you know, based on the homeowner's personal style, right? Um, but in terms of, you know, if you're going to choose one room to renovate in your house, um, I would say, you know, you should take a look at, at the kitchen first. Um, when we look as realtors, when we look at, you know, homes that we are going to compare against your home, one thing that we look at a lot is the kitchen to determine if it's a similar, um, you know, style and if the home has been, you know, updated per se. So um, that's where I would start bathrooms also. Um, but you know, bedrooms, living room, a lot of the time when you take the furniture out, it's essentially just a box, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So, you know, you can do easy, cheap things like, you know, update paint, um, you know, things like that. But generally I would start with a kitchen and bathrooms. Everything in the kitchen is functional. There's style, there's certainly cosmetic preference and, and people operate differently, but everything in a kitchen has a purpose and that's why it makes such a massive difference in the house and why you can get more value out of it because um you know if you have high quality cabinets and high quality countertops and good fixtures and the layout is well done it's very usable space um people will prioritize whatever particular cosmetic differences less yeah. They'll care less if it's not quite the color they had in mind, if there's great storage and great open space and it's somewhere you, you can really get your work done. And the same with bathrooms. Um, you know, it's very, very functional space. So you can get a lot out of it without too much concern about exactly what it will look like for other people. Yeah. For me personally, uh, a lot of times when I'm having guests over, the first place they go is the kitchen, right? And they end up yeah. hanging out so, there all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is important. Yep. People do see that and the finishes matter. So what are some finishes that you're seeing that um, are popular right now in, in kitchens? Kitchens. So kitchens less so. I will say just overall, I, I, it's been a while now that I really think, and not just me, it's what we hear from our clients all the time, that just all of the grays, yeah. All the grays and the whites. And I 
this is a bit personal, but the, like the gray striated flooring, especially if you're looking at throwing some flooring in your house and wanting it to look high quality and having it stand out, just don't go with all the grays and all the whites. And I might be out on a limb here, but God forbid shiplap. It just, I think. <laughs> so so th- I th- these are things that you shouldn't do. What should I, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get, They're I had to get the, things. I know I had to get that off my chest a bit because I think everyone's going to be able to, in 10 years, look back and say, oh, I know when you remodeled your house and what show you watched. I'm not inviting you over. Looks, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have a gray and white kitchen because we thought it would be timeless before they became really everything, popular. You think everything is that. timeless. You do. At the time. And then it's just, it's just not. So uh, that really so that. shows. It's fair. You should just do what you want with your renovation yep. um, because trying to make things timeless, it, sometimes there are things that are timeless, but there's just bound to be, you know, there's a reason yep. that, you know, things are fads. So. And so, sorry for the rabbit trails, but another one that I do say about that, when you're looking at personalizing, you're making things um, your own and yet you are considering at some point value for the future. I say personalize on the things that are so easily changed. You can see past paint color. You can repaint. You can make the entire room, especially something simple like a living room, look completely different with color. But when you start doing things with built-ins and with tile, then it suddenly becomes a major invasive renovation to change. So So I shouldn't do my kitchen disco tiles? You should do your kitchen disco tiles as long as you have no concern for resale value later. If you're going to live there forever, do it. All right. Do the disco tiles. So I will stop ranting. What are some of the things that you've seen people respond to? I mean, personal experience, like really strongly with looking at homes and working with buyers. What you mentioned, Mm. right? So when we go into a home, um, and the kitchen is white typically, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have the, the gray floors, um, typically, you know, some sort of muted gray or blue walls, um, you know, that, that shows that the home has been updated mm-hmm. from whatever it was, you know, prior. Right. Um, and you know, despite all that we've said about, about this style of home, um, it is a good base for a lot of people you know, to, to move in and to make it their own. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not gonna, you know, bash the, (laughs) bash the gray floors and the the white kitchen. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is a big thing right now. And and it does have mass appeal. So that's, that's just it. Like if you're trying to make it really personal, it could be anything. If you're trying to say what will be approachable and accessible to just anybody who sees the house. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a, a very standard finish can work really well. Um, I know it was so many, um, there's a lot of farmhouse lately. That yeah. certainly is always, and that's, it is, it is pretty classic, but, um, not more, timeless. Unfortunately, like Chase said, nothing is, but, yeah. um, seeing people move away from that more now, um, more natural colors, a little bit more organic. And, you know, it was all black fixtures for a while too. Like it was like all the black hinges, all the black knobs, which still works with anything. I mean, just like silver does. That's why you still see it. But um, there's more and more color, more and more mixed materials or textures, like kind of individualizing and personalizing away from that just as a, as a trend. Yeah. So when you're taking your buyers and through a house, what, what are some of the first things they notice when you open the door? Mm. Or maybe before you open the door. Well, when you open the door, I would say that they are looking at typically the flooring. Yeah. Um, and then depending on where the kitchen is located in the home, they're looking at the kitchen, right? We've spoke a lot about the kitchen. Kitchen. Um, you know, that's where people are looking to see 
when was this home last updated? Sure. Um, and then, you know, just general curb appeal, right? Is your lawn manicured? Uh, is the, you know, depending on the finish of the outside of your house, you know, is there paint chipping? Um, you know, is the, you know, is it discolored? Um, just to kind of ensure that, um, you know, when the buyers move in, they're not wanting to probably do a bunch of landscaping right off the bat or repaint the house. Um, so I think that those are, you know, important things that don't require a ton of effort, but, you know, definitely can help you out. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it goes back to just how I started with saying the different categories, like presentation is something everyone can do. Those minor things, those surface things that you can declutter, you can clean, you could put a little bit of fresh paint on stuff. And it's just, that is the initial impression for so many people. But then as far as also, um, possible repair, replace, like less invasive, complicated things. But I had a house um, that I sold this spring that was, it looked exactly like it did the day they finished building it in 1992. Awesome. There was, I mean, exact <laughs> same paint, same trim, Gold same, hinges. I mean, there was no, you, you could pinpoint the date this house was completed, but the condition was completely solid. Yeah. You know, they had a newer roof and a new HVAC system and everything was in great condition. It was just a very apparent era, but they had one thing was the entrance door and it was kind of old and scuffed up and the door jam had some wood rot. And so it was just it was a bad impression to start with. So to replace that front door was also not a massive project, but it went from a negative impression to a really positive first step into the home. And I think that made a bigger difference than people realize. We don't like to think we're that impacted by those small things, by those surface perceptions, but we are. And I think that really paid off for that yeah. owner to just yeah. put a new door in. I think that a lot of the time buyers um, and as realtors, we're reminding buyers of this, that um, a lot of the cosmetic things in a home can be changed. And a lot of people, when they're starting their you know, home buying process out, um, they're kind of anticipating and expecting that they may have to make changes within the home to you know, make it what they want it to be, right? So if you have a good foundation to the house, like literally and figuratively, <laughs> um, and like Kurt said, right, you know, the take care of the things that are going to, you know, make those first impressions. Um, I think that buyers can maybe get past things cosmetically inside the house that maybe just may not be their taste because a lot of people are already anticipating they're going to have to make those changes. Right. Have to and can. Yeah. I mean, that's the other big thing. We're talking about both sides of it, right? Like saying as far as selling and, and listing a house, maybe a lot of personalized renovations aren't going to get your return on that investment, yeah. which is unfortunate sometimes. But as a buyer, you can walk in and say, oh, I can put new flooring down. Yeah. I can, you know, if everything's solid. If I know that it's taken care of, I can do one room a year. I can take it all on at once, but I can make this home completely my own just for my sake. And that's, it's hard to visualize that sometimes, mm -hmm. especially for a new homeowner that's never done a renovation. Yeah. Um, but just to... I, I really like to emphasize the potential for things like that when people are considering a home. Yeah, so I think one often overlooked uh, thing is the sense of smell, right? So when we're taking clients <laughs> to a house, the first thing that mm -hmm. most people that I'm working with mm -hmm. notice is the smell of the yeah. house. So what yeah. what is something that you guys would suggest to uh, maybe somebody that's potentially selling their home yeah. on to 
get rid of a smell. It's funny because you hope that's overlooked. You hope it's not an issue. You hope that you can go through yeah. a bunch of houses and, and never have to respond to the smell. That yeah. would be ideal. That's, but That's not the case. No, though. it's wishful thinking. <laughs> it, it, it also depends on why. You know, some people have multiple animals living in the house and you're just going to notice. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's, if it's severe and they have, and this is, this is also different. This is not renovation. This is, you know, definitely going Smell to Smell renovation. Right. I, it's, I'm going to say it's an improvement right. to the house. It, it really is. But I mean, so it's, it's, I just think it's, it's uh, going to be very effective to do that. And it might just be rugs. It might be carpet. Yeah. A fresh coat of paint goes a long way. Yeah. Um, paint for sure. Paint for sure. And you don't want to paint. You know, I wouldn't say, hey, pick a color you like and paint because other people are going to like it. But if you're talking about smell and you're talking about certainly those, that's another good example of what, what just about anybody can get done is if your walls are all beat up, there's gouges in the drywall, you know, patching and painting is also not really overwhelming, but it can change the entire experience, especially if you're drowning out some bad smell. Yeah. 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 I would say, um, if the homeowner is still living in the house, um, cleaning can go a long way, yeah. right? E- everyone has different levels of cleanliness, right? So having someone come and clean the house, mm. um, mm-hmm. you know, ensuring that the house is picked up and cleaned before a buyer comes through it um, can definitely, you know, help because just like, you know, the door and the door jam, um, you know, even though it might smell different when the buyers move in, right? It, it is a first impression and it, it hits you right away um, and it can be off-putting for sure. Yeah. So I think yeah. um, I'm usually recommending having the air ducts cleaned, replacing mm-hmm. the furnace filter, mm-hmm. um, having the carpets cleaned, uh, maybe running an ozone machine to mm-hmm. eliminate some of those other smells. But uh, there's lots of places the smells can be trapped. And I think that's that's really an important thing when you're, uh, especially if you're remodeling to sell, right? Yep. Yeah, that's one of the biggest ones. And I mean, if it, it's still your home, but if you want to capitalize on it, Maybe the animals spend less time indoors for the next month or so. Sure. And maybe Kurt not. tells his clients to kick maybe. out their animals. <laughs> maybe don't cook all the same things for the next few weeks or stop smoking in the house. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Those smokes smoking a big thing. is And that's a, that's yeah. a tough one because you don't want to overstep, but yeah. if it's your job to, you know. It's your job to guide your yeah. clients, right? So if, you're, if your yeah. job is to consult, you have to say, I'm going to recommend you stop yeah. smoking. <laughs> in your house until we sell it. So it's this really great advice guys. So um, now we've, we've kind of talked about a lot of things, but let's talk about like how to find the right contractor. So we mm-hmm. talked about uh, asking for recommendations from your realtors and your friends, but what are some of the questions you're asking that contractor when you're interviewing them for the job of updating your house? I like the referrals. I mean, I just, I lean on that really heavily because I, again, people can give you whatever answer they want when you see their track record, um, and personal experience, it makes a big difference. But I think that, um, getting clear expectations for not just budget, but schedule for communication, like when each step is going to happen and what do you need from us as far as access to the house? Is this going to take up an entire day? Do we need to be gone for a while? So you know how to plan around it. I know things like permits, it's not always perfectly clear what requires a permit. Um, but especially if you are doing anything to sell and I say this, just side note too, even if you're really handy and you're really good at this stuff, if you're going to sell it, rely on the contractor. It's a completely different level of confidence for the buyers and it's a different level of liability possibly. And they should know then what needs a permit, 
and how long things really take. And they can commit their entire week to it where, you know, you're working around your other job. Um, it's good advice. Yeah. That's <laughs> start with that. Yeah. I, th I would say, um, Clear communication is key on all aspects um, and document everything, get everything in writing mm -hmm. um, and make sure expectations are set right away early on and not, hey, something has come up and we're losing mm -hmm. communication somewhere along the line. And now we're having to visit like, OK, what are these expectations? So um, set that up, you know, right away before the work even starts. And with contractors and property management, anybody like that, you can you can write something up. And I agree with that too. We have to do that with everything in a transaction with real estate. If anything changes, any adjustments are made, write it, sign it, make sure it's official. Um, you can write up something that says, look, if there's a change that will adjust the budget by less than a certain amount, less than depending on the size of the project, right? If you can make any adjustment, any change for less than 200 bucks, you're authorized to do so. Anything that is going to affect the budget by more than that number, you have to call and confirm with me. We need to have that in writing or- You know, a bit of leeway. Yeah, because yeah. just so you don't, you don't want to choke the whole process out, but enough to say, look, if something big comes up, you do have to call me. Because you could come back too and say, oh, well, we got stuck with a situation. We made an executive decision. We're going to get it done, but it's going to cost five grand more. And you're like, yeah. no. I'm the executive. What? Right. right. <laughs> the executive decision. Yeah. Exactly. So I think having those kind of conversations and even asking them some, you know, we, you're still not going to be the expert on this. And people ask us all the time though. They say, well, what else? They ask all their questions and they say, well, what else should I know? What else do most people ask about that I haven't asked about? And I think that's great to do with contractors too, because if something common does come up, you've asked that, you've tried. You're yeah. trying to unearth everything you can to avoid complications and surprises. And just, yeah, more, obviously, I believe in over-communication, but I believe in this case, it's actually the right thing to do. So to avoid surprises, are you guys asking or suggesting to ask uh, for proof of insurance or mm -hmm. uh, contractor's licenses or asking what type of licenses they have? Yeah, because without insurance, if they don't have the right insurance and something can go wrong, it can be absolutely disastrous. Yeah. And a responsible contractor will have that anyway. I mean, it's just, it's almost a given. You should, should still verify, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's more like it's a red flag if they don't. Yeah. Like you should ask because if someone doesn't, it's more than just a technicality. Yeah. Like it's a different kind of business. So another thing that comes up quite a bit is permits. So are you uh, pulling those yourself or how, how do you deal with that when you're working with contractors? I'm a very independent person. I do a lot of my own work on my own properties. And yet if I hire a contractor, I still like them to get the permit. Yeah. It's just another, it's another liability. It's another level of confidence to say, this is your full-time job and you can check all the boxes. You can take all the steps and you will do it right or it'll be on you. And it just makes more sense to me that way. Yeah, you you want to be um, pulling permits because it, like Kurt said, you know, it comes down to, to liability. Um, you know, also you want things to be covered by your homeowner's insurance. Um, you want to avoid fines potentially. Um, and then like we've kind of mentioned, when you are potentially going and listing your home, either, you know, shortly after or in the future, um, buyers a lot of the time want to to see that just for peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So they know things that are, they know that the things are done safely and correctly, um, you know, when they're potentially moving their family into your home. Yeah. So if a contractor is pulling permits, the 
place they're pulling the permits from, normally the municipality, they're going to check to make sure that contractor has the appropriate license and insurance, right? So, um, and then they're also going to come out and inspect the property after the contractor is done with the work to make sure it's done to their satisfactory, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we as homeowners don't know the codes and uh, regulations involved with doing home remodels or what it should even look like, right? Mm -hmm. So um, those city inspectors or municipality inspectors are going to come out and they're actually going to add a third layer of verification. Mm -hmm. I think it's totally worth it. So I, I definitely had contractors that have said, do you want me to pull permits? It's going to be an extra $50. And for them, it's an extra trip or two to pull the permit and paperwork. For you, it's saving $50, but you shouldn't look at it as just saving money. You're, you're basically opening yourself up to more liability and more risk. On the flip side of like your direct involvement in the permits, which can cause more trouble than it's worth, right? You're talking about what it's really worth to you. I do think it's worth investing a lot of time in being on the property, in the property. If you're living there, it's easier. But even if you're not, like spending a lot of time checking in, getting your eyes on things and getting very regular updates with the contractor. Because a lot of times it's been two or three days. And even as you watch it unfold, you realize, oh, that is what I asked for. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like it's not going the direction I wanted, or I actually would like to see if it's possible to make a change if you can. Yep. But the time that you would spend driving back and forth, figuring out the paperwork to do permits would be much better spent on site there with the contractor at the same time and just staying very current on the progress and making adjustments if and when you can. Just staying involved throughout the transaction. Yep. Okay. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, it's a big deal, right? Our our homes are usually our largest investment and to have a active hand in uh, any of the uh, updates or renovations that are being done is, is important. And so. I was in, I was on site this morning um, with someone who's preparing interior, interior doors for a big project and um, looking at the print, looking at the framing and saying, well, do you really want the door to go this way? Cause I think it wouldn't it be better to go this way. And at that moment, with the contractor on site was the first time I said, yeah, yeah, let's do that differently. Yeah. And if I hadn't been there in person and hadn't had that interaction, I it wouldn't have worked out as well. So what, what advice do you guys have for someone that maybe hires a contractor, starts a plan, and then it starts, the plan doesn't go as uh, it should. Mm -hmm. um, how do you get it back on track or what are your resolution steps? Um, first, I would obviously communicate clearly with the contractor um, are you doing that in visit. writing or how, how are you communicating with a contractor? Um, well, obviously if a problem comes up, I would speak to them, okay. um, right. Whether in person or over the phone, um, revisit the contract that you have with the contractor. Sure. Um, take a look at that. Um, you know, if it comes to, comes down to it, do you need a mediator to kind of sit down and, and try to handle the things that you have that that you have issues with um and then you know if worse comes to worse you know and you need to hire an attorney um obviously don't jump to that right away um make but, sure you have your paperwork in order yes, though right yes yeah. like yeah. you know that would definitely be the very last step but if it comes down to it you know that that may be necessary because um a lot of the time renovations are not cheap 
things, right? You know, you're not just throwing your pocket money at it. So um, it's important, especially, you know, it's your home. You want things to be, to be done correctly. Yeah. Good advice. And all of that, and all of that also overlaps with, you know, what we do on a daily basis, someone's home and a complex transaction with moving pieces. And uh, the best advice I've ever gotten uh, for that is from our broker who says, just pause. Like things start to get crazy. Things start to get complicated. You start to get upset. Just pause, slow down, you know, take those breaths to really, to, to say too, like, Hey, well, we really wanted this kitchen done in a month and now something crazy happened and okay, fine. Take the time, slow down, figure it out properly. And if it's done in six weeks, it's way better than everything blowing up in your face. And so just just relax and take your time and read through things carefully. And I will say um, more life advice than just specifically here. But if things start to get sideways and you need to communicate, don't text, never text, yeah. talk in person if you can, especially sure. again on site. So you know exactly what you're saying and it can sometimes just be a misunderstanding. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I really thought this is what you wanted. I'll change that. No problem. Or this is why we can't actually do what we both thought we could do. Once we started opening up the house, we found it's built differently than we could have seen from the outside. Yeah. It has to change. And you say, okay. But yeah, just have those conversations in person. And um, yeah, it hopefully will never get to the point of actually yeah. needing to be mediated or legally resolved. But all of those work. Um, and those are all good steps in the process. I would say um, when you're starting off the process, similar to having money set aside for the unexpected costs, be prepared that things are going to come up, right? Um, if you have that already in your mind that maybe things are going to take longer than expected, um, you know, then you're not jumping to, you know, I'm going to call my lawyer right now, right? Because like, it's probably not that necessary to do that. So if you go into it with, you know, the idea that things are going to come up, things may take longer than possible or things may take longer than you had prepared for. Yeah. Um, you know, then it's not as alarming and you're less likely to, you know, get worked up over, you know, the kitchen taking two weeks mm -hmm. longer than, than the contractor said it would. Yeah. Anticipate overages, write everything down, talk everything through, <laughs> just yeah. Work through what needs to be done. Yeah, make sure any adjustments to the contract are done in writing, yep. right? Yep. So lots of really great advice. So uh, thank you so much, Kurt and Chase, for sharing your wisdom on home renovations. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to our podcast. And if you uh, need any recommendations for contractors, whether it's painting, uh, siding, building an entire house, um, remodeling that kitchen that probably needs it with the disco tiles, um, <laughs> reach How out to Chase you? or Kurt. How dare you? And we have I'm lots not, of recommendations. I'm not Don't actually finish. doing Don't anything with disco tiles. But you could if you wanted to, no, Chase. No, it was a joke. I'm just saying, um, no, uh, sorry. One more important point that you have made before that I really agree with is if someone reaches out to us and they have a lot of projects in mind, what we don't have is a printable list of referrals Yes, because we want that to be current. And so if we've been working with someone for a few years and they've always done a fantastic job, but the last few times we've called them, they really haven't provided value or they really haven't come through like they needed to, that's not going to be on the list. We don't want you to look at that a year later and say, oh, 
this is still the right person to call. Like right. we keep that, we keep that fresh. We keep them uh, accountable and we're always happy to send you a recommendation, but it's going to be in real time so that we know we still have full confidence in them. And yeah, I think we're, it's a great... we're not sending you a 1985 phone book, right? <laughs> I don't have one, but I just, I thought that was a really good way to do it because it's yeah. tempting to just say here, Thank this you. is easier. Here's a, here's an object, but instead it's just, it's all real time. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, guys, for being on the podcast with us. And if you have any questions about uh, home renovations, reach out to one of us and we'd be glad to help you. Thanks. Thanks.